so welcome back to another Black Create Connect podcast episode where your girl Alicia Latoya speaks to some of the most influential black leaders who she connects with organically in life and today we have someone really special that I met in Cannes this year. We have BJ Malenga who is the co-founder of Blocks to Bags. I want you to just be like a warm welcome, 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 welcome. How you feeling? For me, you know, super south. They're not sponsoring this podcast just yet, but I'm sure they will after this. But um, no, like um, I'm feeling blessed, highly favored. Like Amen. life is good. There's lots of things to be grateful for. Mm. There's always challenges, but there's a lot to be grateful for. So um, yeah, I'm excited, excited about 2024. Um, we're getting into that 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 zone and space now where the year is wrapping up. There's obviously yeah. things to still finish before the year ends, but I'm definitely on the vibe of um, where do we and how do we grow um, and you just continue doing legacy work. So mm. generally optimistic. Yeah. For those that um, don't know who you are, just give us like a quick summary of who who is BJ before we kind of get into your story. Yeah. Like, give us like a summary. So I'm um, a creative entrepreneur, a storyteller and an angel investor. So I've built different businesses and I've always taken a creative approach to how I launch the businesses. Um, I say storyteller as I think it's very important to own your story. Mm. So over the last 10 plus years, I have popped up and done various things in different mediums, whether it be TV, radio, on YouTube, on Instagram, on a whole host of different platforms. You might even catch me on TikTok sometimes. So I think telling stories for your own personal brand, telling stories for your business, telling stories for your clients. Yeah. is something that is um, very dear to my heart. Yeah. And then um, angel investing, um, yeah, the last couple of years I've started to write the first check or be part of an early round for founders as um, I remember and I know how hard it is to get your first round going, especially when you come from communities like we've come from. So yeah, um, yeah I think angel investing is super important. I am not the, the biggest angel investor out there, but um I've been fortunate enough to to be backed by some really awesome and interesting people over the years. Mm. And um, I take great privilege in connecting people and mm. helping people get the finance and money that they need to be able to have the impact that they desire. That's dope. That's amazing as well. Such, especially at such a young age as well, to be able to kind of connect the dots and yeah. make real impacts. Because I feel like you can't, for business anyway, it really won't function and grow if you don't have the right, injection into it so the fact that you're able to kind of plug that is incredible how did you get into angel investing and for those that don't know what that is because yeah. i think there's a lot of conversations between vcs and angel investors yeah just clarify for everyone what that actually looks like and how you like yeah so usually your angel investor is someone who will write a um a check that will help you out um we're initially at the pre-seed or seed stage so this is pre one million raise pre maybe even five million pound raise mm. um an angel investor could write a check from, there's no minimum check, but typically, you know, a small ticket is a thousand to 10,000. Mm. And then me, there's medium tickets and there's high tickets. So there are angel investors who can give 75,000, half a million, 200,000. Mm. Um, I was fortunate enough a couple businesses ago, I've had, uh, you know, one individual give 120, and one individual give 75. Mm. But I've also had people give 75 and 10K. Normally an angel investor comes with a bit more, um, lived experience in black book so you're getting more than just the finance you're normally getting the finance and maybe some coaching maybe some 
business model mm. sessions, some finance sessions or some contacts, um, they tend to be high net worth individuals. So individuals who have extra money. There is also a tax benefit for a lot of people when they write checks as you can be part of an SEIS scheme, which is a form of, you know, not a tax write-off, but it's a, it's a system that's been made that is made favorable for people to invest their money back in the UK economy. Um, so just Explain like- Explain that a bit more, because I, I, so, I feel like that's so like in term. So in charity world, mm. if you give money to charity, you can get something called gift aid, where the charity gets extra and you also get a tax reduction when you have your tax bill in right. the end of the financial year. So similarly, in the investment world, when a business is raising their first 250K, individuals who invest, if the company is liable um, or able to kind of get the paperwork done in time, um, for for people, you're gonna get the benefit of being able to get an SEIS. An SEIS is basically that money that you get. If you the business shut down, you get half of your money back from the government, basically. Right. So yeah, it can be quite a very, very good term for a lot of people as they're thinking about strategic things to do with their money. So when you decided to get into angel investing, how did you kind of go about deciding, okay, this is what I'm gonna do and this is how much money I'm gonna put into it. These are the type of businesses that I'm gonna go for. I wanna get into your your story shortly and how you got into creative storytelling, but just whilst we're on the topic, it will be good to kind of understand how you landed there and um, how you go about making decisions, like investment decisions. Yeah, so caveat for me, um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a teenager, so, there's a lot of people who I've met who've done well and some who haven't done well, but there's a lot of people I've met who've done well. So my network and the black book I have has grown as I've done the 10,000 hours, as they say. So I've done, yeah, 15 plus years of being an entrepreneur now. And there's people from all kinds of walks of life and mm. corporates who I've met. So just by the very nature of catching up with people, you'll start hearing about businesses that they're involved in. They'll tell you about deals that they're thinking about. And I've always been an inquisitive person. So there's people who I used to pitch to for money for my business. And then over time, I made other friends who were in the industry who were also VCs. Mm. Uh, so different between Angel and VC, as we spoke about earlier is, you know, Angel will typically invest their own money a VC will invest an institution's money. So there is a, a pot that's been collected from family offices, from other high yeah. net worth individuals, and also from other investors, oligarchs, and also like banks sometimes. And that pot of money is normally like 300 million, 100 million, 50 right, million, right. 10 million. And they're investing that pot over a duration of two years or three years or four years. Whereas an angel is putting their own capital at risk or the capital of people around them at risk. Um, so for me, going through that learning process of being like, oh, the VCs are a bit sharks sometimes if you don't know who you're dealing with, it's like very much on their term and on their favor. And you might not, you might be talking to someone, have a good rapport, it doesn't mean you're gonna get a deal. And being someone who was on the other side and had my time wasted and had some support from certain people, I, I knew that we needed more people who supported, more people who understood what it was mm-hmm. that a founder was going through. Um, and had lived experience, mm. not just started as an associate and then went up and became a partner. So for me, it was very important to, whenever I had the spare income, not just to invest in stocks and in property and in other assets, but to be like, I wanna back smart people mm. because smart people change the world and simple solutions that solve everyday problems are the things that 
matter and have created generational wealth for so many people before us. Mm. Um, Apple was just one computer. And now there's a phone, there's a headphone, yeah. there's a tablet, there's streaming services, there's all kinds of stuff they've got revenue coming in from. Mm. Um, so the power of like backing simple ideas can be so powerful. Mm. There's obviously risk and big thing with investment is all capital that you that you invest should be at the capital you're willing to lose, you know? So you always have your rainy day fund, your emergency fund, all those kind of things covered out. But um, for me, I'm not like waiting to be a billionaire or to have a hundred million pound exit or 50 million pound exit to be like, oh, I'm gonna start backing people. Because if you start adding up all the money you'd be spending in your club nights yeah. or buying drops, it just comes down to how well, like what you're prioritizing. And what I found real powerful was actually joining syndicates. Syndicates are groups of people, other angels that invest mm. because A, I'm meeting more people that I'm finding fascinating and interesting for things I want to do in the future, but also B, they're bringing me deal flow. And deal flow being, you know, that constant flow of opportunity that you might find interesting. Mm. And over time you develop a thesis. So I actually went to something called Angel Investing School, which my friend Andy Iam runs. He started it just before the pandemic and it was his idea that people need to have training to become better angel investors. Right. He got some real basics and some real good foundational skills and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna put this knowledge out there and, and get people behind it. So yeah, like just being around Andy's, like but there's another Andy as well and there's a few other people, Yvonne Bajella, a few others. Um, you just start picking up game and you're like, all right, cool, you know what? I'm not gonna invest in that, I am gonna invest in that. And just over time, you, you find ways to make your money work for you. Mm. Um, yeah, those are what I'd say are things to think about of angel investing. But I'm very much still an entrepreneur. I just think with this investment stuff, it's, it's a lot more long-term. So there's some investments I got involved in five, well, now eight years ago. Mm. 2015 that finally matured in 2020 and there's some that haven't matured so you've got to just be patient with it and make sure you figure out what works for you so i'm not here to preach everyone become an angel investor i'm yeah. just saying you could have a lot of fun actually backing 10 founders and getting close to them and just supporting them on their journey and seeing how you navigate um and there's so many other angles you know so how many businesses have you um or founders have you invested in so far couldn't tell you the number it's like over 10. um really yeah which is cool. How do most of them come about? Are, are they just through your network? Relationships, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like relationships. Like I'm always considering and always scouting. And more important than me investing is like, who can I connect you with? Because some people need, mm. like I've got a friend right now who's raising seven million. The kind of money he needs to put down is some serious weight, you know? So he's got over half already raised. Mm. So he's on that pathway. He's got 50 employees, they're doing well. So there's something to do. There's like someone I just backed who, raised 100,000, he did it in like three weeks. So there's all there's always different, 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 different people that will pop up. I've got friends who've like invested in over 80 businesses. It can get addictive and I'm like- Really? I'm like, there's other ways to put to, to back a business. Doesn't always have to be cash. It could be right, I'm gonna give you your first couple of clients. So I'm gonna help you promote this stuff and see how yeah. far you can go. So a friend of mine is building a members club and I'm like, all right, cool. I might sit down for three hours on Sunday and just go through your business plan and go through your strat, mm. ask you some questions. Mm. And I know that it's probably a lot more valuable than a person that's giving them 50K that hasn't got that context, those network, those black books. So 
it can it can swing and balance. So there's like people you've invested in financially, but then if I think about people I've invested in on a consultative approach and also just a knowledge approach, it's, we're looking at in the thousands. Mm. So yeah, my first ever business was tuck shops and schools. Mm. Like I had other little things I was doing, like talent shows and stuff, but the proper one was having a shop in a school playground and then wanting to franchise it to other schools. So I've always been passionate about people building their entrepreneurship journey, people starting mm. their first business and making cash flow. So it kind of feels like a natural move for me. How about you? you I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if people normally get a chance to like ask you back, but well, I, you're doing the EDI thing, the community is growing that you've mm -hmm. got, super strong, you're pulling up and you're, you're really helping people connect mm -hmm. roles. Um, have you ever considered getting into investing and yeah, how how are you supporting people on their journey of this ownership and business thing? Because it, it kind of, side hustles and growing is a thing that is such a conversation or independence and equity is such a yeah. conversation in our culture now. Yeah, it's a good question. And I feel like me personally, I think I need more experience in the business world because I'm working full time as a lead DI consultant and, it's, and that's consulting and I'm building the business as well on the side. So I feel like I would definitely be open to it. I feel like that's something I'll do probably in three, four years time or so. But it's something that I need to, I think, build up more experience. And naturally, interestingly enough, before you came, someone sent me a list of like loads of, probably a list of like 100 VCs and angel investors and Excel spreadsheet randomly. So I feel like the energy is, is you know, allowing me to have conversations. Even Andy, I'm speaking with him on the podcast next week. So I feel like it's naturally, I'm kind of gravitating towards understanding more about it, but I need to learn more yeah. first. Um, but my goal right now is helping people with connecting them with careers because I, I can identify that everyone's not an entrepreneur. Everyone's also not a, not a business owner. There's some people that just want to have security and want to go for the career route. And that's my strength right now because yeah. I've got experience and background in recruitment. And that's where I can help people with how to navigate their career and still be successful in doing that as well. So I feel like that's, the journey that I'm at at the moment, and then at some point I'll probably get to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I wasn't a, a business owner like you from 12 years old, so I kind of want to hear more about that. Yeah. But before I do hear about, about that journey, when you make decisions on um, who to invest in, what's the nature of the businesses that you usually, because again, when I went through the list today, I saw like agriculture or fintech and just different areas. So what type of businesses do you typically find yourself investing in? And is an idea enough? Do you need to see proof of concept or something more? Yeah. An idea is not enough because mm. ideas are ideas and execution is everything. Mm. You know, there's so many people that had the first delivery that never really became delivery and those people had their own Uber versions of Uber. So execution is everything in business. Um, a lot of times the people that actually get the most revenue um, or the most backing, are, apart from nepotism and people just having relationships, mm. um, a lot of times founders from diverse communities have to prove some stuff. And proving some stuff doesn't have to be the final app or the final big website or the mm. final big pop-up shop. Um, it has to just be, right, we've got 5,000 people on a waiting list who have already prepaid. We've got like these seven or eight strategic partnerships ready to go. We need capital to do X, Y, and Z this capital that I'm raising is gonna enable us to last for 18 months or 22 months, 24 months. So you're looking for a few things and every investor will be different. You know, I'm I'm moving a lot more heavy in the space now and I'm so passionate about it. So I'm, I'm building my own 
Dragon's Den. So I've got a. That's sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with Blocks of Bags. Yeah, oh, so yeah. we've started a, a sub brand called Bag Drop. But Bag Drop, where basically the bag gets dropped on people who are looking for the bag. And um, we take over different venues. We started with a big venture capital firm called Stride as our partner. Mm. They have over 100 million pounds that they have ready, available to invest. And um, we've took over their HQ recently in October. And um, we brought over 100 people together. Half the room were people looking to currently invest. And the other half were people looking to currently raise. Mm. And we put on seven people on the stage with a DJ two hosts had a really immersive fun back-to-back process where they pitched and all investors were given their own auction style placards so they can raise their hand if they wanted to be introduced to that startup by our team after and then the dj created a block party and people could just network and open bar drink and upstairs had more chill zone around food and some art available to purchase and another DJ in the background, so. Sounds dope. Yeah. I wish I came, I was so tired. Yeah, so. so yeah. So with that, that concept amazing. there, we're gonna be running in different parts of the world. So we yeah. started in London, we're gonna do four next year. So two in London, one in Paris, and one in Amsterdam, and just go through that. So for me, the way I think I can support, you know, people right now with their, their raising of funds is connecting them to more people that got money. Yeah. And a lot of people who've got money are just looking for more diverse people to back and more interesting people interesting people to see. So it's a journey for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but as I said, to get backed, in my opinion, and this mm-hmm. is my opinion, there's like different thesis out there and there are legends who've made Bibles that people follow. Mm-hmm. But for me, what you want to show is skill in the game. So show that I've taken the step, I've made the investment, whatever the investment in, it might have been like hard work, quality time whatever but you've taken the time to work and you're now taking the steps to to move things forward Mm. you know Mm. so for me that is something that you can tangibly work towards and something you can tangibly you go you know what if i'm going to talk to an investor i'm like right in the last three months we've done x we invested y to reach Mm. x results um so for example let's take black creators connect Mm. you know you haven't gone out for investment yet but let's say you were looking to do a members club or you're looking to do a job board. There's obviously these things exist already or a conference. So like there's three different type of businesses. I'm looking at your community that I'm part of and thinking, where, where could it go? But which one should I unpack for you? Um, I would say the partnerships side of things. Actually, no, the easiest one is the content creator side of things. It doesn't have to be easy, easy. Just give me a business that, model from Black Creator Connect that we could like so, talk about live right now and help okay. people figure out what investment so they would So we pay be. content creators to advertise jobs for companies instead of putting it on a job board. Amazing, cool. Something I'm so passionate about, I think it's so important. Mm. Like I've helped companies get real results from just tweeting like. Yeah. Because you'll gas it up in a way that the culture understands. Exactly. And break down the opportunity in a different way. Yeah. So, You've got this community of creators, you've got some clients who are paying you, you reckon there's like a bigger market of mm-hmm. clients out there who, if you actually had the capital and the team and the marketing power, mm-hmm. you will be able to take this yeah. into a million pound business. Mm-hmm. That's what we're saying, right? Yeah. So for me, if I just like, oh yeah, like we just started this thing. Yes, I've got experience in EDI and experience in recruitment and I've got some contacts. That's something that might just worth ways like 50K because you've got a landing page or whatever. 
But if you're like, you know what? Let's be intentional about mm. the next six months. Mm. You know, let's like, let's say we're gonna raise money in a year, but like, let's be intentional next six months. Now I'm like, right, cool. Do we want to niche off the type of creators we work with or the type of businesses we work with so that we can dominate that space mm. real quickly and then scale mm. as a strap? Or do we want to um, kind of focus on a sector of the market in terms of um, the global market? So just UK or just Africa or just Nigeria or just Italy. So for me, I would say it's more easier to dominate in an industry rather than a country. Mm. Um, Why do you say that? Because there are lots of like annual and quarterly and monthly events in the construction industry, in the beauty industry, and so on and so forth. Whereas dominating England in six months, you're going to need a lot of capital, okay. making a lot of noise in beauty or a lot of noise in tech or a lot of noise in science, if you just focus on that, it's a lot easier than going for the whole country. Got you, okay. So I would be like, and this is not forever, it's just based on the resources we have, mm. like we're raising money because we don't have the unlimited pot of money, mm. right? So based on the resources we have, I'm sat there thinking, you know what? Cool, we're joining the business. Let's let's do a, a couple of diagrams. One diagram is like, who's everyone that's ever paid me before? Yeah, so I make a list of Sainsbury's, mm. Selfridges, like, whatever jobs we've had, like you might have worked at Nando's for a little bit, HSBC, you know, call that Clarier Ladder, boom. What all the jobs I've been paid to do? Mm. So you've got all of those things, great. Now you're like, right, I've been paid to do all of these things by all of these different people. And then that will kind of start creating a list of contacts, mm. people that we can then build something called a circle of influence. So these are like a hundred people I can pick up the phone to in corporate jobs that would pick up. And, and there'll be some people that are hot that you can call, Warm, which you can email or LinkedIn, and cold, which is just just LinkedIn. I don't really have them anywhere else. So, mm. um, and what I'd be doing is like going right with this target of like next six months. I want to make as much noise as possible in this sector. So let's say we're going to be doing recruitment for what's your favorite sector to recruit for? Creative advertising. Creative advertising. Boom. Very exciting. Just recruitment for creative advertising. I'm like right. I'm going to start inviting some of my contacts to some round tables and just bring some of my creators and some people that are employers together. Mm -hmm. It's the unscalable, which enables you to do more deep work. So actually setting a tone for the next six months, saying, right, we're gonna do one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm -hmm. Everything is 20 people. So that's a hundred people that I'm gonna have a deep relationship with, core. So that's my core nucleus. Then I'm like, right, what are like some of the most exciting creative advertising journals, newsletters and communities out there? Mm -hmm. Great, write that down. What are the key months coming up. So we're looking ahead right now, it's coming 2024, so I'm like, right, Christmas, we've got Valentine's, we've got um, people graduating, you've got exam season, and then you've also got um, the new tax year, mm. and there's a new year. So there's a couple of different themes that we can go after, mm. and there's obviously Women's Month. So you know what? We pick Women's Month, we pick the new year, new me vibe, we pick exam season, we've got three campaigns out of six that we can run, which mm. is like, every two months is something new rather than coming at someone every week. So like, you know what, new year, new me, we've got eight weeks to go till, till then. Let's go and do some insights and get our creators with a little bit of money. If you don't got, if you ain't got two grand, if you ain't got three grand, give up a couple of weekends, do some jobs, get your money up. Mm. And then you go, right, creators, look, this is something that I want to do. I want to make noise and I want to profile you. Mm. 
Mm. I want to celebrate you in the new year as what well, as a leading pioneer who's been pivotal to me this year. And I think actually this is a new way we can market. Boom, January, they would have done some responses to briefs that you've created for them that showcase the power of the stuff that you're talking about. Mm. So let's go ask them all like five creative agencies that they think their audience should know about and why they should know about. They will come back to you with different videos. You're now created a, a landing page on your site with like predictions for the industry in 2024, with like really interesting things that companies can do and it features you and your creators, like sharing with the industry, becoming a thought leader. And then you're spending that 1K running ads, targeting, because that's a lead generation that you've created, yeah. targeting all creative agency heads in London, sense, in Manchester. Yeah. That campaign, like two months from just before Christmas all the way until mid-February, you've now collected your data and you've had 100,000 people hit your site or 50,000, but 50,000 qualified people who are now in exchange for them downloading this report and these predictions where there's only like previews being shown, they're writing name, company they work for, title, and then their email. And then you might give one prize giveaway, which is like sign up to come to one of my round tables with the creators, which mm. are happening in these things. So everyone gives a prize draw. Mm. So people are enticed to want to meet. Because you know people are always going to slightly DM the creator on the side. But if you've got some premium stuff happening where they get a seat at the table and it's coming up February, March, April, you've now got that conversion loop coming up yeah. as well. So boom, that's happening. So these are just early things. You're, I know you know how to market, people know how to market, but these are just simple things yeah. that if you're at home watching right now or your laptop, whatever watching, you can think about that doesn't have to cost a million pounds, doesn't have to cost a hundred thousand. It's, you have the relationships already because this is your core thing that you said is your asset that you're selling on. So that means yeah. you've got a relationship. I'm not telling you to come up with a new asset or talk to new people that you're not talking to anyways. So utilize the power that you guys have to mm. tell stories, even if it's for clients that you haven't got yet, but collate that as a an interesting thing for the start of the year. That should create some sort of impact for you and some more inbound, but more importantly, some more prospects take your learnings. Mm. Now we go live with a Women's Month campaign. We launch again one week before, and that whole month, you're hosting online seminars and dropping a, maybe again another lead gen man man magnet with all of the awesome women who are leading in the creative agency. All of the awesome women that the creative agency world hasn't got that people need to hear about. All the awesome women who are in brands. And then you do a national competition saluting my sisters where you get like young girls in schools and unis across the country to to apply to get mentoring one day from sisters in 2025 so people can join a scholarship for next year yeah. so you got that again that people's writing in a future lecture to me you might partner with future letter to yeah. me which is free saying hey we want to do a bespoke walk and we get an embedded thing on our website where girls across the country can fill in a letter to myself so you got this digital campaign in march you do one more thing maybe um, as I said, for exam season, for graduation, and it might be powerful stories of creators. And now you've got now this other community of people that you've engaged with talking about why they're, they're, what happened post-exams and how they've still managed to navigate their career. Mm. So again, inspiration. So what we've done here, we've created something that's a lead gen in the first few months, another thing within four months, another thing within six months, all with the aim of getting a lot more viewership on your site because your thing is going to be digital a lot more contacts that are senior, and then these kind of like really deep in-person experiences that will probably will have over subscription because it's been limited to 20. And you've now got data, data bank that says we are hot commodity 
and we have all of the hottest agencies knocking on our door. Mm. Probably some work could have happened, but you've now got this data that says, hey, in the last six months, we, we've now also, you can also have like a registry interest page for creators, mm. where creators are saying, oh, I want to be part of this community. But you're, you're going to be looking at a thing based on how much you dial it up or dial it down, mm. a thing where you're able to go, right, I currently have 30 vetted creators that we've worked with in the last six months, but there's 500 who are on the waiting list. I currently have five beautiful lead gen magnets that lets people know that we can do stuff that have enabled us to have 50 inquiry calls. Right. We've now also got um, over 300,000 hits on our site because these creators have sent traffic there. And this is, and these are the types of people that have come to our site that have downloaded our material. We've had 10,000 downloads because we've been pushing it for six months. Useful things for the industry. So you've now got this data set of like interesting things mm. where you, you you know what the value of a customer, you know the value, you know how much it costs you to acquire a customer and you know the different tactics that you could use to get to a customer, but also to an audience and also to incre increase your interest rates and your, inter your interest lists of people who want to become creators or people that want to be on the list for opportunities or people that want to be agencies that you recommend for opportunities. That conversation and that packaged up and a conversation where you're like, so month six, we're like, right, let's build a deck. Mm. And the deck is, hi, we're Black Creators Connect. Mm. This is who, this is why we exist, like the mission. And then the next page is, boom, this is what the world needs with, and this is how we're aiming to achieve it. Mm. So you show and show your products. And this is our traction so far. And it's like a thousand people on the waiting list, 500 creators on the waiting list. We've had... 50 different sales calls. We've converted 20% of those calls. We've got a mm. capacity of this. And you'll be able to like now know what if 200,000 or 100,000 will do for your business. Because you already knew from now like what the size of the market. Most people know the size of the market. Most people know like how big the business could get if things went well. Most people also know like the type of dream clients they could have. And most people are really good at saying a summary of like about me and about the team. But not everyone is good at explaining the traction and mm. showing why the early signals of what you're doing fits and is actually scalable. And what right. you've done there yeah. in actually taking three months or six months to intentionally go, right, these are the things that we want to communicate mm. in six months time and actually working on that, you're able to now tell a digital story that anyone can download and watch that's an investor and be like, you know what? They've, they've converted their 2K into 50K or that 2K into 20K. And then there's also like 100K worth of value. Mm. Imagine what my, my, my 20,000 can do. Imagine what my 50,000 can do. And that's the difference in the experience I have now versus when I started. Like being able to break down my traction in that way for whatever business I'm involved in or whoever I'm coaching. And there's been times yeah. where I've been trying to raise money for something where it's like, it's an idea. Like we want to, oh, we're gonna create a big pop-up market. And it's like, it's taking six months to even get a quarter of a million pounds. Um, and then now I'm meeting entrepreneurs who are raising 2.6 million pounds in six weeks because they're coming with the- The right information. Yeah. Right. And it's not, oh, we've got a million customers. It's, yo, we've done a thousand transactions over nine months. We've got seven partnerships in place. This is the basis of us actually exactly. working together. And that's not always shared in our community. Yeah, so now I'm like... Not. Like, this was incredible, by the way. Thanks. I'm in awe. I am hope I was not taking up the... But it's like, 
this can this can apply to any business. Yeah. It's like you got to figure out right, what we're going to tell because there's certain things that are important and without talking buzzwords, everything I've told you would enable you to answer the questions that they're going to ask you like what's the lifetime value of your customer? What's your cost of acquisition? Um, what's your scaling approach? Yeah. But all of that and there's no point in me giving someone all them questions without showing them, yo, this is the roadmap you need to be doing mm. because when you do that, when someone asks you and you Google it, you're like, oh, that's that. Oh, that's that. This makes a lot of sense. And the fact that you've broken it down in a very basic, understandable way, I feel like you've explained it in a in a non-complicated way. That's it. And I need to understand, like, how did you get this mindset? Like, how did you... I know you said you went to angel investing school, but you obviously... It seems like it's something that you were born with or you had influence from young. Damn. So I need to understand. This is great to know. Yeah. But for those... Also, sorry, before I go into even your story, for those around them, people right now that are listening are saying, but I wish I had people around me that can feed this type of knowledge into me. Yeah. What would you advise for them to do? Because I think that this conversation can be worth a lot of money. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. You can charge for that, that same piece of consultation. Oh, no, I do. I'd be, I'd be charging. And, but but yeah. this but it felt like a chargeable thing that you were saying to me because you gave me concrete ideas, you gave me a solid plan, you gave me a whole strategy recorded. I feel special. Yeah. So up to you to pull it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> someone takes it. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. It's, it's it's okay. You can't do it like you know. Yeah. But anyway, for for someone that's listening, thinking I need to kind of get some people like yourself in my network. Absolutely. What would you advise them? So, I answer your two questions in two parts. So. Yeah, I wasn't born this way. Mm. I'm just curious. I've always been curious, but we're all curious. You've got to find what you're curious about. Um, that's A, first thing to say. Um, I have started 10 different businesses and learned a lot in those businesses. I've been in music, I've been in education, I've been in marketing, been in food. Um, you learn a lot and there are some commonalities along the journey. You have to fail forward. Fail forward often um, and don't don't get too high on your own supply. You know, kill the ego. What do you mean by that? Like something's working doesn't mean it's going to work forever. Really? You know, it doesn't mean it's going to work forever. You need to stay sharp, look at your data, understand okay. your costs, understand your margins. Like if you're not coming from super wealth, which I wasn't, mm. it's so easy to just get gassed and think, oh, right, we're just like, this is this always going to be the good times. You can't predict a pandemic. You can't predict a recession. You can't predict yeah. inflation. You can't, there's loads of things you cannot predict. Mm. So you need to build more resilient businesses that solve real customer problems um, or are a real added value to your customer's life so that you're uh, a staple and they're not. you're not the first thing to go when budgets get tight and budgets get squeezed. Because mm. if you look at economics and you look at history, these things are cyclical. Like there are good times and there are hard times. Mm. And then hard times create good times. And then good times create hard times. It literally is a pattern. Economics is a thing for a reason. I need to hear that because it's definitely yeah. down. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. And then um, flipping it over to the other side of your question. Um, so where have I gone for information and where can someone else go for information? Well, you're in the right place right now. You're listening mm. to this content. You're seeing this clip. Tap in. Like, you are the five people you speak to the most a lot when it comes to your problems, but you also are what you consume. I'm a big believer in that. I am, I'm a, I'm a child of YouTube. That's how I like to look at it. I spent a lot of time 
watching documentaries, interviews, behind the scenes, asking questions of how things are done, playing things on slow speed, on fast speed, captions, no captions, um, take notes whilst I watch stuff. Today I was watching the content on, um, it was uh, Young Jeezy and Neil Long having a deep conversation I about, about they're having a deep conversation about mental health, mm. but from a, a PTSD trauma, family trauma perspective, mm. coming off the streets perspective and how that can affect how you love, how you raise your kids, how you grieve, mm. like not grieving, the impact of health and food when you're successful, mm. like if you're not having a good diet. And I'm like, mm. that's where I'm at now. I'm thinking about my health, I'm thinking about my family, I'm thinking about, you know, traumas that I didn't really unpack at a certain age that now I need to think about. And YouTube is still giving me that value. But there was a time when I was watching videos of Richard Branson, Russell Simmons, um, Fiopa Peters, Peter Jones, all these different legendary investors or entrepreneurs who built iconic things, whether on our TV screens or brands we know, um, and I'll just be fascinated at people doing stuff at 16, at 20, even people at 40, people who, yeah, 50, who have made, been made redundant, have lost it all and got it back. Mm. So my subconscious mind over time was one where I have seen so I could be. Mm. Rather than, oh my God, it's happening to them, I'm jealous. I thought, no, I'm like, oh my God, that, that person oh, yeah. walked so I could run. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as well. And I feel like, you, A, you being curious, I feel like that's the key to so much success because you don't know what you don't know, like, first and foremost. And um, also about consuming content, I talk about that quite a lot. Like, I, I listen to um, a lot of sermons. Mm. Like, Sarah... Um, Sarah Jakes. Yeah, Sarah Jakes I listen to quite a lot. Um, Michael, Mike Todd, I listen to quite a lot. I listen to a lot of random talks. What about Stephen Furnick? I don't know who he is. Oh, I'll put you on, man. Okay, put me yeah, on, please. Like him, yeah. yeah, so like in like I listen to that quite a lot. Of course, I watch a lot of podcasts and listen to a lot of content that helps to feed my mind. Um, even sometimes Steve Harvey. I don't know if you see some of his YouTube videos. No, he's, he's just doing like a motivational talk. Yeah, no, he's part about, of a morning motivation compilation. Yeah. I have. I've got a few of them. Yeah, he's he's actually really good. So I listen to him yeah. as well sometimes. And I've noticed, like yourself, I feel like the mental um combination along with juicing having your five a day having your greens you know drinking your water all of that contributes towards a healthy mind yeah. and i feel the difference mm. um even with how you cuz cuz life is going to happen like what you said like things are going to happen that's unexpected but if you are in a stable mindset, the way you respond to it and react to it is going to make a big difference as to the journey that you kind of go on. And I feel like Absolutely. you've done that. Like, so no matter what happens, you're like, do you know what? I can I can tackle it because yeah. you're good. Yeah. That's what I feel. It's very important. Yeah. And when you're not good, it's okay. Exactly. Do you know what I I'm mean, saying? It happens, yeah. You grow through what you go through. Yeah. what I'm a big believer of. Sometimes you need to just pause and reflect. And sometimes 100%. you need a hug and sometimes you need to just change your environment as well. 100%. I mean, I'll be real with you. Even today, I had a, I had a breakdown and um, it happens sometimes, life. And I went to South, let me go to the gym, let me go to the gym. Went to the gym and I was in the toilet just crying and crying. And then these three black women just came up to me and just hugged me, like hugged around me. And I was just like, I don't know who you are, but this was beautiful. And then I went to rent gym, did what I needed to do. And I was like, do you know what? I feel better. I feel good. Yeah. I feel like I've cleared my mind. And then I had a conversation with a client yeah. who just made me feel amazing. Like he was just 
he, he, he didn't even know that he'd done so much for me in that conversation. So I feel like, yeah, things happen, but you just have to lean on to, you know, yeah. the, the goodness and change your environment and so forth. But just to get back onto you and your journey. So let's go back in the day. BJ, young BJ. What was young BJ like before he even started doing businesses and tuck shops on the on the shop floor? And where, where were you raised as well, by the way? I was raised in this neighborhood. This is my this. You're in my block right now. Oh, man. okay. Yeah, this my is ends. all right. I know more than them, man, man. So, oh, yeah, 100%. This, is, this is your area. Okay, cool. Yeah. Man. So what like what was child growing up for you like? Like I know you're from Congo. Yeah, come from Congo. Never been. Um, so I need to make that make that trip, make that pilgrimage real soon. Um. And yeah, I grew up in East London, Brick Lane, Shoreditch. Um, I've yeah, had a very colourful upbringing. I spent time um, these east sides for primary. I went Bermondsey for secondary school. And I went uh, Labrick Grove, Portbello Road for sixth form. Um, didn't really go uni, went uni for a term, hated it, left. So my upbringing is business, unfortunately. I can't, there's no other story I wasn't good at football, couldn't rap, couldn't sing, couldn't well. dance. Dad's a chef, mum's a teacher. Okay. So um, they're very much doers. That's kind of the vibe that they, they brought me and my siblings up on. And um, I um, was just an unconventional kid. Like I was, could I could play games like all other boys. Mm. But after PlayStation 3, I didn't really get PlayStation 4 for years. So I, you know, watched the Get Rich, Die Trying film. Mm. I saw 50 Cent come up. I saw... I said YouTube, like YouTube existed when I was 10, you know, so that was my thing, like just finding inspiring stories. I used to love Grand Design, Dragon's Den, The Apprentice. From young. From young. The like, same to be fair. Yeah, like that and Crime Watch. I used to just watch those kind of shows. So yeah, I just, I liked what we now call opulence, but at the time I liked seeing things that were just cool, like mm. things I was fascinated by. And not match of the day, like I always like watching football, but just knew I couldn't play, so and my, my brain was like always just racing and coming up with stuff. And when I was creatively bored, I got in trouble. But as soon as we got a line, just straighten that out, and I had a youth club to go to where what age roughly 12. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. One time I went to the youth club, I was like, rah, this is sick, like, we can make our own merch, we can have a show. And like all my friends who can rap and sing and dance can perform. And I did like three talent shows and the light bulb switch went off for me after the first one where I was like, rah, we asked the youth worker, can we take over the show that they do anyways with our own spin on it? They said, yes. Me and my boy Christian put it together. He was two years older and we put up a lineup of people and people came out. We sold 200 tickets, two pounds each, you know, and we were selling. Yeah, oh, like. The money wasn't like wasn't big, but it was like yo people came out of their house mm. to watch the show. Mm. There was a queue. It was safe. Nobody got hurt. People bought merch. People bought. We did compilation CD. We were shooting CDs after, so we were giving other people opportunities. And I was like, rah, this is sick. Mm. Like something that we thought about actually happened. So and you yeah. made money from it as well. We didn't take no money. Like when you're working at a youth club, you don't take no money really. Okay. But like there was a lot of um, honor and passion and like, cause obviously they've got like people doing like lighting and there's cost to produce stuff. So at yeah. the time you're not thinking about stuff like that. You're just happy to be given the opportunity. But the significant of that moment was nothing to do with money. 
it was all to do with the mind. Like we came up with something that we thought our ends needed and, you did it. and we did it, you know? What feeling did it give you? It was like, what next? I'm like, oh so shit. So you got like a little in the general rush, like, okay, exactly. cool, this is happening. What next? So that's the yeah. kind of kid I was at. And that, that helped me just really focus at school because I wasn't really focused before. So from then, I was just like, I went from being super naughty to handing my homework on time. When you hand your homework on time, it means you're thinking. It means you can actually improve your grades. And I was cool with everyone at, at my school, um, colloquially, not everyone, but a lot of people. Um, I had a lot of good relationships with the naughty kids, the smart kids. So when it came time to opening the first shop, it was like, of course BJ's going to do it because it's like, you're cool with everyone. So How did you get away with that? Usually schools that wouldn't allow like... Yeah, so I had, to, I had to pitch the head teacher. Oh, so you actually went to go and pitch the head yeah, teacher? Yeah, pitch the head teacher. She said no. And then okay. I pitched the head. She invited me to come pitch the head of years. I pitched the head of years. They're like, interesting. And then I pitched the school governors. So I did three elevated pitches. At 12? That was at 14. Who guided you through that? The internet. That's incredible. Just like guys, the internet is like the biggest gem ever. So for me, I was like, yo, I'm gonna take time and do this thing that I think would be sick. And I was studying business study for the first time, GCSEs at 14 and it was like, I was just learning about, and it was like, I was doing history, so learning about prohibition, the black market. And I was like, rah, there's a little black market going on here. Mm. Like, let's, let's actually set up our own thing. So that was my vibe, innit? I was like, pitched it and they said yes after three times and we went ahead and did it. And me and like eight other kids, eight other teenagers made it happen. And um, every day the shop was open selling flapjacks, Kit Kats, juices. We made like a deal with a canteen to make flapjacks for us and we made a markup on it. Used to buy- Really? Yeah, we're just really doing deals like that, man. I used to come in with a bigger bag of snacks and like, yeah, the, the teachers loved it. and. It stayed in the school and the school kept the tuck shop going after I left as well. So I went and I opened up other tuck shops in other schools. I'd go and do a talk. How did you go and do that whilst you were at school? So college. Oh, okay. I was able to proper scale up because college, you're not there like nine to five. You, there's some mornings you're not there, some, some afternoons you're not there. So I'd sign myself up on like these inspiring speakers for schools. I found a bunch of them that they exist. So I put myself profile up and told my story of from naughty kid to A stars, inspiring kids to go and do it. I built a business, I like to come and do it. And people always book me and I'd go in and go, right, let me let me give an assembly button. In, in return, I'd like to talk to your head teacher after the assembly or one of the senior heads of years. And that was my marketing strategy. I'll go, I'll do an inspiring talk for free, kill it, shut it down, tell, talk to the naughty kids and the good kids. And then mm, in my story, you. I talk about the shop and then kids will be like, oh my God. I'm like, raise your hand if you like a shop in this school. Raise ah, the hand and then, so that's how you did it. And then I talked to the schools after that, and then yeah, we just went in and set up shops in different places. Did you not get any pushback because of the um, whole? Do you remember Jamie Oliver done this whole thing? Yeah, where... of course. But like, I was like, as I said, I'm not selling like Rockies or like ice cream. We were selling flapjacks, cookies, juices. It's like in between the grey lines. It's the things that people need at that break time, you know. Okay. So you managed to get away with it. And then in regards to running it, like how long did you run it for? How did you uh, so, manage to run it like with different did yeah, you hire yeah, so, people to do it? No, so like the, the idea of the franchise is that the young people would set up their own shop. Mm. So you go in, you train them, and then they could order food from uh, like a whole wholesale agreement with the school, but also with wholesalers. So the wholesaler would send the food to the school, the kids would order through my catalogue. 
And that was a good safeguarding approach rather than the kids like going to different shops and buying stuff. Right. Did you have like a physical cat catalogue that you gave to them or was it like an online thing? Yeah, we made an online thing on PDFs and then school and then we printed it out as well. So both. So then how did you make money from them? Did, did they pay you for the fundraise? So so the school would pay for us to come in. Oh, I see. And then so that worked. Yeah, training's covered and then you would get um your own cut of like the markups on getting the food Products delivered to them. Stuff. Yeah. Very good. I would yeah. never. I wouldn't even think to do that in school because I just think ask oh, long because they're gonna say no. So I I just wouldn't wouldn't bother. So it's good that you thought about it and you pushed through with the pictures. Yeah. So that was like a lot of my life from sixteen to oh. like eighteen, nineteen. Open hundred, train five thousand kids. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, when I was on BBC you, News. You say this like on a casual thing. Yeah. No. Like, this is amazing. But it's like for me, it's like I live many lives, you know. So I'm like. Yeah. It's like, where else can we? Where else can we go? So then I was like, right, let's open up the UK's first market, like our own selfridges by us for us. That was about my vision at nineteen, and I I spoke at a big party conference. It was on the news, and I was like, look, we're gonna open up our own department stores, our own pop up market for teenagers. I took over Truman Brew, which is just around here, mm. fifty thousand square foot of space, mm. all five big rooms, and we trained 500 teenagers to run their own department store for a weekend and we had like record labels food brands supporting us we got sponsorship from barclays pepsi max ee river island Accenture. mtv wow. mtv came and filmed it all that's amazing so that was me at 19. that's amazing Thanks. that's so accomplished How but it wasn't easy it's like you have to do partnership you have to build teams the how is like, when you put yourself out there and you get momentum, you start getting invited to conferences, you start meeting people. So things start happening, things start connecting. So mm. I just became that that guy that was always thinking of like interesting ways to get people to do interesting things. So when you when you thought about getting kids together for that, the shops and stuff, how did you decide, okay, who's going to do what? Did they tell you, you want to do a clothing shop or we want to do a record label shop? Like, how did you go about the logistics of things? Yeah, so, oh, that was like, we'd worked on it for like six months. Mm. That was a long, long, long process at the time. And it was like eight, eight nine years ago now. So, yeah, we, we spent time thinking, first we were going to make a game. That was our first thing we were going to do, me and the team. And then we're like, no, actually... That we're gonna stay in retail and just like take what I've done because I used to do like groups of ten mm. when I was at schools and I was like I want to take this to another level I want to go do something bigger so yeah training five hundred teenagers was like the vibe there was like a lot that we didn't know that went into like building this thing um, and we were doing stuff like basically doing pop up shops so I had a shop in Box Park mm. uh, old shop in Old Street we've up here stores in Brixton and Camden uh, that was called Supermarket. And the tuck shop called Super Tuck. Apart uh, from Supernet. Yeah, that? so that's before Supernet. Oh, so that's where Supernet has come from. Okay. So I had Super Tuck, then I had Supermarket, Super Academy. So some people come yeah. get trained at Super Academy. Um, and Super Academy, Supermarket. And yeah, by 21, we trained 10,000 people, basically. And that was a journey we were on. And then I branched into other things. Um, I went into um, influence marketing. I also went into... In, in what respect, sorry, just to... I had my own agency, like helping brands get influencers right. to do campaigns for them. So we worked with Coca-Cola, Kia, Domino's, Virgin Records, mm. Sony, and my business partner was a YouTuber. The other one was a coder, and we built our own platform where you could put, basically a search engine where you could like write your requirements of what you wanted 
from an influencer, so X percent of engagement, this type of category. And then we had a creator network of creatives who were acted as consultants, so creators who'd done really well, who could then do strat around creative for campaigns. So that was what we were doing in, yeah, 2016, 2017, 2018. Sold my shares and that business now is a subscription business for hashtags and influencer strat for people who are growing their social profiles. It's called Flick.Tech. And it okay. does really well. It's a multi-million pound business that's, that's flown. That's amazing. I'm so proud of the team over there. What did you learn from, from that particular business? Because I think it's great to talk about successes, but what are some of the bigger things, biggest things that you learned doing that? Dynamics of teams. So yeah. the reason I sold up was um, I wanted to do other things with my time. And some of my business partners were very young and it was their first business and it wasn't my first business. So there was mistakes that we were making where I was like, it was regular mistakes and I'm like, this is going to be the reason it doesn't work. So just after I left, like the other partner who was causing a lot of issues, he left within a year and then the other two were amazing. So they're still together and they're great. Um, I'm friends with all of them, but um, yeah, the guy who was a headache, he was, I appointed him as a CEO at the time so I could like be involved in that more than one business. Mm. Um, but we probably would have like benefited a lot from me doing that for the first year. Mm. <coughs> so I think it's about making sure people are playing to their strengths. I think that's the lesson that I took from that. Other lesson is like we were very hard on our clients that like that doubted us. So being on people, like knowing your worth. Mm. We did that and we like double down on that. Like you need to know your worth. Don't 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 let people come at you because they're older or have ages on you. What do you mean by that? Again, give us like a practical example of what so, you there might be a prospective client that get in touch with us oh. and they would, um, do you know the time of it? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. No, not for me, but how long do you want your episode to be? Probably got a bit. there, one hour. So t- tell me what you learn yeah. from like your money in that business. Yeah, so like yeah, a, an example for me is, um, as I said, like there's picking your team, but also the ageism stuff. So with ageism, I think, you, especially when you're starting as a young entrepreneur and mm. you're, doesn't matter how, what you've done, there is a stigma that was there before. Mm. I'm not that age now, so I can't tell you. I'm still young, but I'm a lot more experienced and polished. By the time it's like, oh, you're just a uni dropout or you're just mm. a uni grad. Like, what do you know about life? Or, like, oh, you lot are so young. And I think it's important to know that you know what you know and you've got conviction that the value you're bringing to the market is what you think the market deserves. Right, got you. Don't think you know everything because you don't. Like, it's just a matter of age as well. Like, you don't know everything. But there are prospective clients that you might sit in a meeting with and they're, like, trying to, like, sun you on your price. Like, oh, this is too much. Like, no, no, come on, give us a discount. What? Are you moving like that when a big agency like WPP or Agri are coming in touch with you? What, why are you talking about discount with a small startup? Yeah. So it's just these little things or um, you're working with a client and you're like, right, we need a deposit. And they're like, no, we don't need deposits. You need to supply, join our supplier system. Okay, cool, let's play that game. But we need you to start the work now. No, let's let's join the supply system. Okay, join the supply system. Okay, we're starting to work. And then it's like, right, cool, yeah, you're going to get paid in 60 days because your, your 30-day invoice doesn't start until you get a PO. So all of these tactics that I've actually... Definitely had, I'm definitely in that. You know what I'm saying? Right now. Like, yeah. all of these tactics that basically just work in their favour where, like, again, when you're, like, 
couple years in, you're like not even playing that kind of ball game. You might, you might still have to do a little sixty day here and there, seventy five day, or forty five day. But you've got contracts that are different now. Yeah. Where it's like if you don't pay, there's going to be a consequence. Yeah, exactly. I guess so that's what I mean by like them because at at that point you're also scared to lose the client sometimes. Yeah. Oh, this doesn't look good, but actually more time there's opportunity around the corner all the time yeah so believe in your source so yeah that ageism thing based on like yeah just conversation you might just be thinking wow oh, like if i don't sign this it's going to ruin my opportunity to work with them but more time they're going to respect that you guys have your a hard tone yeah, yeah, yeah on what you do are. and don't do yeah i found that as well because i've i've even i've even had experiences where i've just charge the price for something and the client's been like all right cool and in my head i'm like oh this might be a bit much but they've been like all right cool i'm like i could have charged more then because <laughs> you seem very very okay with that price if that makes sense and yeah. i've been in my head about it so you're completely correct with that that's like that's some really valuable advice as well i want to um in the interest of time and everything i want to go on to what you're doing with students at the moment because that's a main part of what you're doing so um yeah i'd love to kind of hear more about yeah so yeah right now i am working um, super hard to try to teach as many teenagers across Britain how to spot misinformation and training up as many people as we as we possibly can to become local news reporters. There's an opportunity for people to have their voice heard in communities, an opportunity to uplift and support young people as they transition and go on to their next step, um, which are like the two you know most important and main things. And I think the angle of like misinformation as you know, we see what's happening in the news right now is, and even the news across the pandemic, there's so many things that people just end up believing because they saw it somewhere and they haven't got the basic skills to like know how to find their source of information, know how to spot a deep fake, know how to even just like have a critical thinking eye when it comes to what you're believing or what you're not believing. So. Yeah, the, tr the, the charity, The Student View, which I run, I took over last summer. Um, we do do what I just described in three different ways. One, we have pop-up newsrooms in schools. We go in and we deliver a workshop and kids build an article or podcast there live with an actual journalist. Number two, we do teacher training so that more teachers can go and help us deliver and teach more young people across Britain. And number three, we have now developed a new creator network, a place where if you are 16 and older you can join a youth club by ours where you can continue to continue working on our cause and stuff mm. you can also have, get a fellowship where you can go on a pathway to get yourself qualified as a journalist so yeah we've partnered with some really cool players in the last couple of years from the financial times bloomberg demos pshe england and yeah um my my mission there is to see if I can scale it up. So in the last year, I've trained a thousand teenagers and um, by yourself with my team. Yeah, so we've got a team, and now I'm like trying to see if we can scale to a hundred thousand. So yeah, that's incredible. Are you just doing it in the UK or is this global? Yeah, so this is mainly UK business. Um, that's where Charity Commission. So um, I'd love to take it around the world. Um, and I'm going to Italy next week for some for a conference based on this. I've been to give a talk in Prague, in Belgium, in Lisbon. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of learnings to be had from different people teaching media literacy across the world. Sounds like you've done a lot. Like, not sounds like, you have done a lot. How are you? 
I am always inquisitive. Inquisitive Beach has never changed. Yeah. I think now I'm someone who puts in just a, a double a doubling down on like really deep friendships. That makes sense. Mm. There's a lot of people who you may think you know or may want to know you for a certain reason. Mm. So you just got to keep having discernment. But the joy of doing what we do now is champagne problems. It's the problems you have are, they're not the same problems you had when you were starting out. We're not thinking about how we're going to eat. We're thinking about, right, cool, how, how we're helping the parents with their pension and their next steps in life. Mm. We're thinking about, right, optimizing performance of your, your health and your life. So, cool, what, like, are you, you know, learning weekly or monthly? Are you feeling rested? Are you recharging? Like after this, I'm going to go steam sauna and swim because I'm like, that's going to, you know, break mm. up the day before I go have my dinner or whatever mm. or vice versa and um i think stuff like that is just so important you know yeah. it's just so 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 important like really figuring out what your non-negotiables are because it's so easy to just work and just work and i don't think the meaning of life is to work mm. i think your life your work can be your life's purpose like i've done a lot of good in the world i'd hope um that if you know my time was up people would be like bj help me with this that, 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 that. but um, at the same time I want to laugh I want to giggle I want to I want to see stuff and be inspired so you catch me at comedy nights you catch me in the dance floor with the crew um, and you catch me hiking you know like these are these are things that I think you know create happiness and create space for you to rest um, and I don't think happiness is a permanent state you know you can't always control happiness but you can do things that can inspire and spark happiness in yourself I love that I love that. I, I usually ask everyone to kind of leave us with like an inspiring note or word, but I feel like you've just done that. Ba -da 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 -da. So, I'm loving it. <laughs> so, so you've just done that and you can tell that you know you understand storytelling and how to convey messages and everything. And I know there's so much more to you. You need a book? Yeah, at some point. I think before the book, I, I want to do like manuals and templates for people, uh, playbooks. I just want to give people gems, man. Like... Yeah. Anything that helps people like save months, money and time, I'm about that. And then I think being that it's like over 10 years since I left college now, um, I think creating like the manual for the, the black teenager or the young man in today's world wanting to become mm. a man, like that could be quite a cool thing. In to, general, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Could be Why? a very healthy thing because I, I didn't have literature to prepare me for what the journey I've been on that was easily digestible there was a lot of stuff i've had to learn the hard way and i've been fortunate to build some really really great friendships with older men mm. younger men older women younger women people in all walks of life who have given me little gems like right court therapy right coaching look at this and i think there are just some principles that could be easily digestible for the next gen because right now as i look around you know like safety and you know, mindset and aspirations are, they're not, they're not at an all time high for people, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, there's a lot going on out there for the next generation. And I'm in schools a lot. And I, every time I'm there, I'm like, I want to leave them with something that they can, they can take. So maybe it'll be a play, maybe it's a comic, maybe it's a comedy, but I think a playbook, uh, you know, a note to future self type of vibe is, is something that I think every teenager could, could use if they want it. Mm. 
that's that that would be really powerful and i wish that we had those type of resources even for for myself yeah like when i was back in the day because right now it's about <clears throat> in my 20s it was figure it out figuring it out and even still now to be honest with you i'm just going off prayer and guidance and you know good people in my life and yeah. trying to make it work but having those type of templates will like you said cut out a lot of time wasting money wasting and so forth honestly bj like I've I don't know you too well on a deeper level. I feel like I probably will at some point. Are we building now? Yeah, I probably will. Building now. I probably will at some point. I'm I'm all about organic relationships and not forcing people to be friends with me. But uh, but but um, with with what you've shared with me today and from what I've seen, you're doing absolutely incredible. Like if you haven't taken a probably you have taken a moment, but take a moment to just like sink it in to know that you're absolutely like a star. Like be proud of yourself because it's what you've built, what you've done, the impact you've had is like remarkable as well. And you've already done legendary things. So just wanna just wanna shout you out for that. Appreciate it. No worries. And um look everyone like the story is gonna continue and um there is no timeline to success. So it's an honor to be on your on your show. It's an honor to join the community, and um, let's find some ways to make the communities collaborate and do some stuff, man. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, thank you, thank you so much for coming with me today, and thank you everyone for just listening. And remember, you cannot keep these gems to yourself. We like to share, so make sure you share this episode with someone, whatever it is, and give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of today's episode. A good piece of information about Blocks of Earth and also BJ's like LinkedIn, Instagram and so forth so you can see more about his work. Um, but thank you and um, I will see you all on the next Black Great Connect podcast episode. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.